This is Issues 2022. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Susan Erlenwein, Director, Environmental Services of Sedgwick County. Welcome to Issues 2022. Nice to have you with us. Nice to be here, Steve. I'd like to begin with a little background, if possible. How long have you been with Sedgwick County, Susan? I've been with them 35 years. Oh, my goodness, really? Yes. (laughs) What did you do before coming to Sedgwick County, if anything? (laughs) Actually, I was with the oil industry. Oh, okay. So uh, how many people are in your department there at the county? Uh, There's uh, 13 people. Okay. Now, Earth Day was this week. Uh, What were you you doing on Earth Week, uh, Earth Day, uh, for the original Earth Day? (laughs) Oh, well, the very first Earth Day, I was back in high school celebrating and uh, working on an environmental group in high school. Did uh, I want you to tell me about e-waste collection? I believe you had an event this week, and you're going to have one again next week. Now, what is this e-waste collection? Okay, the electronic waste event. Um, we will be collecting free from local citizens and businesses computers and TVs and cell phones and peripherals. By that I mean printers. Uh, Laptops, batteries, tablets, e-readers, VCRs, you know, Blu-ray players, games, PDAs, uh, so a large variety. Are there there dangerous materials in uh, this discarded equipment, Susan? Yes, uh, there are, you know, lead and mercury, uh, uh, other dangerous materials as well. Also as well, there are... um, you know, expensive materials such as gold and silver. So we contract with a company that's coming here from Wisconsin for this. They're a zero-waste company, and they uh, recycle everything in North America. Nothing goes overseas. They also destroy all hard drives, which most people don't realize is hard drives can be found in your cell phone, your printer, your copier, um, they just think of the computer or the laptop and don't realize all of these other devices are also storing information. Yeah. So we guarantee that all of that is destroyed and that everything's recycled. So we're really looking forward to our event. It's, it starts uh, the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, and then it continues next week on the 27th, I mean the 28th, 29th, and 30th. It's 9 to 2 o'clock at the County West Yard, which is located on the northwest corner of 47th Street South and West Street. All right. So I take it it's not a good idea to dump my old computer in my home trash can then. Right. Legally, there's nothing stopping you. There's no law in Kansas that says you cannot drop your computer in. But we have requests all year long from people saying, when are you going to have your next e-waste event? This will be our fourth one uh, that we'll be doing this year. Has, has it been pretty successful then? Yes, it has been successful. In the first three e-waste events, we collected over 2,240,000 pounds of electronic waste. Ooh, that is a lot. I want to just, yeah, we, we have a lot of people visiting this event, and that's why we have it over six days is try to accommodate people's schedules. Right, right. I'm going to, I'm going to switch gears for just a second, if I may. How, how big a problem is, is uh, air pollution in Sedgwick County, Susan? 
uh, air pollution normally isn't bad in Sedgwick County. The uh, main issue, as we noticed uh, this week, is when you have burning of the uh, fields in the Flint Hills, whether it's in Oklahoma or up in Kansas, and the winds carry it over to our community. Uh, the ranchers burn the uh, old stubble, old grass of the fields. It gets rid of some of the unwanted plants there. Grass comes up and the cattle feed uh, earlier, and it's better nutrition for the cattle, and it adds nutrients back to the ground. So that's why they're doing it, but it uh, has consequences with all the smoke in the air. Yeah. I know the state has a computer site for ranchers to look at to determine wind direction and uh, soil mo moisture content and when is it the best time to burn. What can, uh, let's just talk, I'm not a farmer, I don't have a ranch, but what can the average consumer do to cut down on pollution of the air and the ozone? Uh, one of the big uh, pollutions that we have in our community is from the vehicles. Uh, and, you know, having synchronized stops, lights certainly keeps vehicles moving and doesn't stop them and where they're just idling and having the emissions. As we go to more uh, battery-driven cars, we'll have less uh, emissions from the vehicle. But right now, you know, we have a lot of emission vehicles. When they raised the railroad tracks through the downtown area, that helped quite a bit on reducing mm. uh, vehicle stoppage and idling. Yeah. And also the signage you see along the roads that will warn you, like on Kellogg or the interstate, that there's an accident up ahead or, you know, mm. closed lanes. Right. That helps you detour instead of sitting there idling, waiting for something to clear out. You're listening to Issues 2022 on the Odyssey radio stations. Our guest is Susan Erlenwein, Director, Environmental Services of Sedgwick County. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, I, I think it's called solid waste pollution litter. Um, how does the county deal with this ongoing problem? Uh, what we do is work with uh, townships for illegal dumping out in their roads and ditches. The township will collect the material, whether it's mattresses or tires or any, you know, furniture, whatever's been dumped, and the county pays for the disposal costs when they take it to the transfer stations. So it's a partnership we've developed for the last 20 years on helping to uh, remove that material. Also, when the, we first started this program, we worked with uh, judges in the sheriff's department on increasing the fine for illegal dumping, and we supply signage to the townships to put out on the roads showing that it's a $1,000 fine. And we have camera systems that we can put up in frequently used dump locations uh, to get pictures of the tag and from up above and see what people are doing. So we're we're trying to stop it. We work with it, uh, but unfortunately, people still mm -hmm. illegally dump. Yeah. Now, is uh, uh, tell, tell us a little bit now about uh, household hazardous waste facility. Is that the the one over on uh, off South Seneca? 
It's uh, uh, 801 Stillwell, yeah, yeah. which is about a block and a half east of Seneca. We uh, have that facility. It's open five days a week. It's Tuesday through Saturday, 9 to 5. And people can bring their household hazardous chemicals they no longer need, whether that's window cleaners, toilet bowl cleaners, oils, pesticides, fertilizers, solvents of any kind, uh, old paints, and drop them off for free. Then uh, the staff goes through those to determine, is it in good condition and is the label readable? And we have what we call a swap and shop where we'll put it out and citizens can pick up good material and take home. So uh, that's a win-win for everybody. Last year, we collected over a million five hundred thousand pounds of hazardous waste from the community, including uh, like three weeks ago, we received a bottle of mercury that weighed twelve pounds. Wow! So it's uh, you know it's very useful to have a facility like this where people won't dump the material in a ditch or down a stormwater drain but we'll have a place that you can bring it and the material will be recycled or disposed of in another manner, normally incinerated. Well, the so we, we're pretty proud of this. Plus, uh, in the swap and shop area, because people pick up stuff, we had uh, citizens collect over 300,000 pounds <laughs> last year. And that saved the county almost $78,000 that we would have been paying in disposal costs. So we're really excited about that. And we're expanding the uh, facility this year. We're adding on to it and having more room, and we'll have a larger swap and shop area for everybody. Okay. Uh, Will the county uh, ever restrict or ban the use of plastic bags for groceries and such? I know that um, the city has looked at that, and there's a bill at the state level right now to not allow local communities to do that. And uh, I believe the governor vetoed that, and they're going to be looking at that again at the legislative to see if they can override her veto. And that, you know, that legislation was to say no local governments can ban plastic. So um, a lot of communities have that across the nation where they do not allow single-use plastics. I don't know what the future holds for our area. Okay. Hard to say. It's hard to say. Yeah, but, it is hard to say right now. But that, they use, it uses petroleum products, and it goes into the landfill, those plastic bags, right? Yeah. So it would be good to recycle them. All right. Uh, That's right. Go ahead. Also, we've had tire events where tire we get events. tires out of the community. Yeah. Uh, tires collect water, which is great for mosquitoes, so you don't want that. Plus, if they're on the road or ditches, that's a hazard. We've had seven tire events over the years, and we've collected over a million two hundred thousand tires through those events. And those can those so, can those be recycled, Susan? Yes, uh, when we contract with companies, uh, what they do is break them down, get the metal out of them. You know, when they talk about still belted tires, there is actually still in them. So get it out, and they can make crumb rubber from that and make more product. All right. So you have those events. How many did you say? Several times a year? Uh, 
we've been doing the tire event every other year. So like year. this year is the electronic event, and next year will be the tire raced event. All right. Well, we appreciate you spending some time with us this morning talking about the environment and what's going on in Sedgwick County. Susan, thanks a lot for, for being our guest this morning. Our guest. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I hope you have a great day. Our guest is Susan Erlenman, Director of Environmental Services of Sedgwick County. Coming up, a special Earth Day program from Odyssey. That's all for this edition of Issues 2022. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh. It's Karina Delgado from 94.7 The Drive in Washington, D.C. And for the Odyssey app, as we are joined today by Bronson Griscom for Earth Day, the Senior Director of Natural Climate Solutions. Welcome. Karina, it is uh, an honor and a pleasure to be here. Well, I have to say, I'm very excited to have you here in the studio, and I mentioned this earlier. You're the first person that I've had in the studio since the beginning of the pandemic, so you are my very first guest in the new normal, in the new times. Wow. Okay, so I'm even <laughs> more honored. Um, yeah, that is that. it is so much fun to get back to a little three-dimensional, you know, back to the basic primal forms of human interaction in in person so wonderful to be here with you yeah we get to share a little bit of energy instead of doing this on zoom today well of course we're here to honor earth day and have a conversation about uh what is happening with our earth you are the lead conservation international natural climate solutions science team so you played a key role in the strategic development of natural climate solutions science across the organization leading a research agenda that helps deliver on conservation international's climate goals which is whew, that's a mouthful and i just read that in full but what does that really mean if you want to just put that in a nutshell for our listeners well one of the things it means is that as an organization we and i should say a number of other organizations, but we were, I think, in the forefront of really shifting our focus to deal with this existential crisis that brings us all together, right? Yes. This sort of global connective tissue that is bringing organizations from all walks of life together to solve this great problem and to solve a bunch of problems at the same time. And so from the environmental side, we realized it's not just environment, people and environment. And when it's people and environment, you put those together and climate is it. So that is realization that we had a number of years. And natural climate solutions, now maybe I'm being a little bit self-centered here, but it's, it's at the center of that storm. Okay. Um, in a positive way, right? Which is what are the solution set um, that we need not just to respond and adapt to climate, but to solve it. And is it solvable? <laughs> that is the, I mean, that is the question. That like, is the question. So it is okay. definitely solvable. Okay, because I want to know, like straight out the gate, are we doomed yeah. or not? <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, I would start with just a personal sensation. Sure. In responding to that question, which <laughs> is, I, you know that feeling of surprise when you realize that you are, you have a, a role reversal? Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait a second, my, I used to be this and now I'm this. So for me, I have gone from being... Um, Chicken Little, the sky is falling. <laughs> right. Doomsday, folks, wake up. This is grim. Basically, the catastrophizer mm-hmm. in my family and in my circle of friends to sort of shifting into a role of optimism. And okay. so, so it's like, okay, so how do you put those two pieces together? Um, so I remain 
let's just say, quite pessimistic mm-hmm. about the near-term baked-in climate change. Okay. And so what that means is that, and this IPCC report, right, that just recently came out that kind of sets the stage for, for Earth Day, <laughs> and it sets a grim stage. Things are worse than we thought. We are experiencing it in many parts of the world and many parts of the country. So in a sense, you know, I don't think there is that sort of dissonance between people's perception as much and sort of science as there used to be. But the point is like, yeah, on the one hand, it is grim. And we have to sort of take the red pill and face that um, and think about how how serious this is on the one hand. However, um, the solution set is really exciting. And, you know, I also think not only have we been underestimating the problem, but we've been underestimating our ability to transform and solve that problem in a way that's really powerfully positive. It doesn't just solve a problem. It gets us to a better place. So that's the contrast that I would paint (laughs) in answering your question. Is it doomsday? I would say it's not doomsday. It is grim, but we have an incredible opportunity this moment in time turn the game around more than more than before. Sure. And I want to get back to the IPCC report here in just a second. But just to uh, piggyback on what you're saying there, one thing that we've learned through the pandemic, if nothing else, is that we can do hard things. We can surmount the supposedly unsurmountable. And so with that, I think... Uh, where the report comes in is where we get the baseline on where we need to start. And as you mentioned just a moment ago, um, the report is actually a little more bleak than, than they thought it was going to be. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Um, So what we have seen, if we look back in the history of these IPCC reports, right? So what is it? This is a huge group of scientists representing virtually every country um, getting together and arriving at what I would consider as the sort of the greatest level of scientific consensus we have known as a global society. Okay. Or, and in this case, around the great existential scientific crisis of our time, which, yes, is the pandemic, but the longer term one is climate change. And so, okay, so that's, you know, as you just referenced, so that's what this report is about, is like, what's the state of play? And then this latest, and they have a series of ones, previous ones have been kind of, you know, where are we now? It's like, what are the solutions? So these IPC reports, reports that come out at sort of, I think is it seven-year intervals, they have consistently underestimated mm. the problem. But as a scientist, I can tell you that doesn't surprise me that much because whereas the climate scientists have been painted into a place of sort of unnecessarily alarmist, mm-hmm. I would say the opposite. I would say scientists are actually a, a conservative group of people that don't like to talk about things that they're not really sure about, right? They're sort of, let's just say, a kind of introverted, kind of hesitant, culturally group of people. And um, so what does that translate to? That translates to kind of being very careful to not overstate. That is a bias in a sense, right? And that bias towards um, being careful about what you make a statement of will tend, has led us to, I think, not surprisingly, see a series of predictions that were actually underestimating. And so, again, it's not that surprising to me that now the report is saying, wow, things are a little worse thought and we thought they were bad. Sure, because at seven-year intervals, if you've had series of underestimations, that is going to mount at some point. And here we are. 
So with that, um, I did read this, that the carbon emissions are still rising globally, and most countries are not on track to deliver on their climate commitments. But according to those reports, and according to your optimism, (laughs) there are things that we can do. So let's take a spin in that direction, because um, for those who care to listen, those are people who want to help. So how do we give them a call to action? So we've talked about the bad news, right? Right. And now I'm thrilled that you're asking this question because this is the good news. We have a greater clarity about the solution set than we've ever had before. We have a, a greater set of science-based reasons mm-hmm. to implement that solution set, that toolbox. So it's more like now we have the instructions on how to put the Ikea desk together, nice. <laughs> so to speak. Yes. yes. <laughs> and that makes that makes a lot of sense, which because I think, you know, that it brings that quote to mind. The journey uh, of a thousand miles begins with one step. And so if we are able to break that down in a sci- more of a scientific process, it makes it more manageable. And since we're talking about uh, for Earth Day, one day, one thing, what off the top of your head are the three easiest things that people can do to have the greatest impact? I'm not a vegetarian. Uh, I love, you know, I'm, I'm a guy who loves to grill meat. But in the process of the work I've been doing, what has blown me away is the impact of cows. Really? The impact of cows is kind of hard to believe when you start to wrap your head around all of our agricultural land. So, so agriculture is one of the biggest impacts on the planet. So 70% of agricultural lands globally are used to produce 5% of our food. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of crazy, right? Right. That's kind of, kind of a sloppy system. It is a huge opportunity to... Um, while we improve the availability of food, improve people's health, because mm-hmm. actually a lot of, like in America, for example, okay, we eat a little bit less meat. Okay. See, I am all about this alliteration. So you could do Meatless Monday, and maybe you could do a Walk to Work Wednesday, and, you know, that sort of thing, as far as putting things into bite-sized pieces. Because especially when you look at a report like this, and it does seem so bleak, I think... Again, like regular people such as myself will get overwhelmed and just feel like, you know what? We're all doomed anyway. I'm just going to live my best life or whatever. But that best life could actually be a longer life and a longer life for this planet if we just make small changes to our lifestyle. Karina, you nailed it. And so I think what I would emphasize in what you just said is the excitement I have is in the sense that a lot of these fun, satisfying joyful changes in our sure. lives. And so just like you said, I mean, there is so much good, delicious food out there that um, if you, sh- you know, that if we, if we kind of embark on that sort of joyful culinary journey is part of um, helping to save the planet. Same thing with walk to work, you know, Wednesdays, as you say, or bike to work or navigate the new landscape, yeah. but it's, it's exciting and it's fun. Yes, for sure. Well, so just in in summary, although the IPCC report was bleak, what we did learn is that at the core of this is the human factor. And then the good news about that is, since it is, in fact, the human factor, that means that we have the capability of changing the outcome if we change our behaviors. 
And so one day, one thing, think of one thing that you can do today for Earth Day. And for this full report, you can log on at conservationinternational.org. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time and your gifts and your, your wisdom. Thank you for sharing. My pleasure.